what is going on everybody welcome back to another episode of real fans fc and today's a very special episode is actually our first guest we're bringing on the fc show and it is a, a awesome podcast that follows the current mls reigning champions columbus crew and it is new to the crew with pete and melissa why don't you introduce yourselves to the show Hey guys, thanks. So much. I didn't realize we were the first guests. That's quite an honor. Yeah, well, for the yeah, for the FC show, yeah. We appreciate so, that. Yeah, we do a, a standard like American sports show, and then this is our our real fans FC that we started this year. So you guys are actually our first guests bringing on. <laughs> yeah, but Adam, how are you feeling today? I almost oh. disregarded him. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. You know, we had a fun day at the office. You know, nothing really much to do except fix internet issues and watch some soccer. So that was nice having it on. Got to catch a little bit today. Saw that Tottenham ended up winning. I do have them on a on a bet. Just for you, Adam. So I heard you were an awesome fan. I thought you could see that. I did bet. On, I did bet on you guys. So um, so far it's going well. There you go. Work yeah, Adam told me before you guys came on that he purposely wanted to wear all his Arsenal stuff and put on. I his was Arsenal like, you know what? In the Forget background. It. No, I, come on now. I've, I've had that, man. I've had that. Yeah. <laughs> no, he just put it up. I, I swear. I, I brag. I brag about that shit all the time. I, I was going <laughs> to do the my... same this end, but we figured we should turn up mostly in crew stuff, seeing as that's who we're here to talk about. <laughs> hey, Jul- Julian's always repping the Inter Miami. I always switch it up. I go back and forth. Because I do, I do. Um, you know, I've been following. I mean, obviously, Arsenal longer than um, than Inter Miami. I mean, we've been around longer, um, so I, I know a lot more about us. So you know, if we consider ourselves, you know, some, you know, that we can talk a little bit more in depth about Inter Miami, then I can definitely talk in depth about Arsenal. So that's why I, I don't mind repping. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, but so basically. What, so what was like the game day experience for you guys going out to the game today? I did see some footage like on social media between like, I guess, L.A. fans came out big. And yeah, then did they did like a march down and you got and then so did the crew. And it, it, it looked like a really awesome experience. I guess like kind of walk us through like what the game day was like going over there. OK, well, first, the biggest change is you just said the L.A. fans were there because we've been to. We're season ticket holders. It's our first season at the crew. That's why we create the podcast, new to the crew. And we went to, I think, like 14 out of 17 home games. And there's never an away presence. And if there is, it's minimal. But for the MLS Cup final, you've got, I don't know how many people there were, a couple of thousand. Yeah, they had a good turnout. A couple of thousand fans there. Wow. And they're, they're in like their downtown area from like midday. They're, they're in a different section to the other crew fans. And we then, actually stumbled across them before we found our own fans, and we were like, whoa, okay. Yeah, and my English brain switched on. I was like, we can't go down there because they, they might keep us down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. So yeah. we, we avoided that, but but they really added to the atmosphere, like even before the game. Yeah, and I'll give them credit during the game too. Like when even when they were down two goals, they did not stop chanting Um they were doing like synchronized things with lights. I don't know exactly what it was, but they did not give up that whole game and they created a really good atmosphere. I guess if you fly in from the West Coast, it's that big a game, you mm-hmm. might as well make the most of it. And they did. They parted till the end. So fair play to them. But from the crew's perspective, I mean, we feel the atmosphere is usually pretty good. The, the Nordecker is where our hardcore fans sit. Uh, that's where we'll be mm-hmm. next season. Oh, sorry, they stand standing. Um 
but the whole place got like the Nordecker on this occasion. We were on to, we were on the east stand in the upper tier, and we took our seats expecting to sit. And from from kickoff through to the end, no one sat down. It was everyone sat. It was it was like a European atmosphere, and I think oh, having so away fans there makes a difference. Yeah. That, yeah, that's that's awesome. That that is that's really sick. So you guys don't really get a lot of fans for the Cincinnati game, Cincinnati game. Cincinnati at home. Well, we didn't go to Cincinnati at home game. That's that's one of the three we missed. But we went to Cincinnati uh, away. With, oh, okay. And what do you think? We probably took like a thousand. Yeah, we had about a thousand there, but they don't give you that many seats. We so kind of scattered. The hardcore yeah. fans. Top upper tier, maybe I don't. I'm just guessing, maybe 500, and then the rest of us, including ourselves, we're just scattered around. So you're not all together able to to get that atmosphere going as much. Yeah, and and, and us as you know, living in South Florida, one of the things that's very um, uh, a trait of South Florida is the fact that we have so many people from out of town. So I don't I don't think it matters what game it is. We're always gonna roughly expect the same amount of away fans. Now, obviously, it might be a little different for Orlando, but we always have we'll say, a, a decent amount. I mean, yeah, there's certain cities that that turn out more. Um, LA showed out for extra- us last year. The thirty-two fifty-two, yeah, like I was right, surprised. Yeah. It was like Man. a midsummer day in July. It, it was like at one o'clock, three o'clock, and South Florida in July at that with the sun beating down on you, it's nightmare. And we're wearing all, and, and we gotta wear all black too. All dressed in black, filled up the whole yeah. away section, black. and yeah. jumping up and down. And I'm just because we work for the team as well, and we're just like, oh my god, like it is so hot to be. So they show up. I mean, kudos to those those LA fans. They they're always like traveling big time. But and is that, um, I guess like yeah. Go ahead. Is is that sorry with uh, Florida? Is that because it's like a tourist destination as to why you get fans from all over, or is it just a place part of it? Like to to? Well, well, I'm yeah, going to so talk pre Messi. I'm going to talk pre Messi, but yeah. as yeah. for like the other MLS games, I will say only away fans we really get are ones that are outside of the LA fans. It's really fans that are usually East Eastern Conference. So like we got a lot of Nashville fans. We got New York New York City FC. Um, Orlando, of course, a lot of Canada. Yeah, we do. Canadians love fans. Yeah, Canadians love to Um, come down here. And I would say that's probably about it. We don't get a ton of a like actually like the supporters coming out like that. It's only happened a a few times that I've seen personally, and it's usually the more the closer teams. Yeah, we we really didn't get many away fans from other teams, but I guess Columbus isn't the most desirable location you know off the top of your head if you're going to go to one away game that season to follow your team you're going to pick certain locations aren't you over maybe the midwest but yeah and and part of it is a lot of people who are who live here this is a ton of people who aren't from here most people are probably from somewhere else you know i know people from philly there's a ton of people from new york i'd say the most is new york new jersey area we're getting mm-hmm. a lot of Canadians nowadays. So those teams, even like Vancouver, sometimes they show out. I went to um, a Florida Panthers hockey game versus Vancouver, and they had a decent amount of fans there, and I was very surprised. Um, so, yeah, we have, a, we have a lot of those people who they grew up in that location, and they live here now. But so when their team comes to town, that they'll go, they'll show out, and um, you know they'll rep their hometown team. So we definitely have a lot of that here. 
Um, sure. I could I could kind of yeah. understand why um you know people don't want to maybe choose Columbus, but here's the thing: like uh, one of the things that I really like, and this is going to tie in nicely to um, my question, is you guys have such not only an amazing fan base, but I think you guys have the nicest stadium in the league. I mean, seeing like videos, pictures, and I think if I remember correctly, it is really doing, nice. didn't they, didn't they have like the the drone, you know, the MLS, the season passed and they have the drone tour. Yeah. They always do like, yeah. um, I don't know if you guys seen it on the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. They do like yeah. the, F, the, the drones. It's, through the it's so well done. And I love the European style of it. You know, it feels like if you put that stadium in the middle of like Germany or something like that, you'd be like, yeah, that's, that's a Bundesliga stadium. So it's so cool. So it, it it kind of confuses me, you know, when I we've been reading about this and it's been such a big story, this whole save the crew movement. Um, it just seemed it never, at least from the outside looking in, you know, to, for us, we never really even seemed or saw a problem as to why they would even want to leave or relocate. I mean, just a few days ago in American sports, and announced the owner of DC, the Capitals and the um, the Wizards, said he's going to move them to Virginia across town. It's like even big cities aren't safe. So, with with that passion, like why why do you think that they thought that it was a good idea to leave with all this? I mean, yeah, they couldn't get a stadium or something like that, but you ended up with one of the nicest stadiums in the league and such a passionate fan base. Yeah, I mean it. It is kind of solely an American problem, this, because especially in other sports, like um, just quickly, like we're a Green Bay Packers fan, so we feel safe in that sense. But I feel yeah, like every time right. I watch a Packers game, half the time the team we're playing, I'm like, oh, where else has that team been? And, they, and Mel's always like, oh, they've used to be in this city and in this city. And it, it <laughs> yeah. devalues the team to me. That team means nothing to me now. Like for me personally, the team I hate most in MLS is Houston Dynamo because they relocated from um, San Jose. That was that was a relocation. And the year they did that, they then won, I think they won MLS Cup the next year with the entire San Jose squad. That's not sport to me. That's not what a fan base is. But to answer your question, this was before our time, so we've been learning about it. Again, we just came in this season. Um, I think when that was all going through, this was about 2017, 2018, the tail end of it. I yeah, wasn't I was living in the there. States. Yeah, I wasn't even living in the States myself at that point. But um it was to do with it's to do with money, obviously. But yeah. the original crew stadium, which is still used now, it's the the crew two use it now, historic crew stadium, is in a bad location. It's nowhere near downtown. Um it's a great stadium though, isn't it? We went to it it's for really a game. Nice, yeah. But it's 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 the original it was the first soccer specific stadium in MLS. Um but it's even though that was only 96, it, it's starting to look it's old. It's not very modern. Though. Yeah, it, it needed modernizing. And they didn't have lower.com. That wasn't there. Um, and then Austin was on the market. As we all know, Don Garber, he seemed to be the guy that was coming in, mentioning Austin as an expansion place, even though that they'd never actually put in a bid at this time. He he turned up at the final, actually, and he was but he was fantastic. That was the best atmosphere when he, he was on screen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard awesome. about that. I saw that. Yeah, that was awesome. Like he, yeah. and now this all the. I don't know if you follow all the news that's been going on the past couple of days, but like, yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> I think I think that's actually a good tie-in if you want to talk about that real quick, Julian. Yeah, let's finish because the game. that is crazy. So, 
<laughs> so I guess like what was kind of like the journey throughout the season? Because obviously you guys bring in a new coach and Wilfred Nancy and a surprise move that I would I didn't see coming personally. He was a guy that really elevated Montreal to a status that I I haven't seen since I started following MLS. And then he comes over to the crew, which I thought was a very shocking move by Montreal to do that. And it turns out benefiting to Columbus's to so much that you guys obviously won the championship. So I guess like what was kind of like the journey throughout the season, like from the beginning to end, like, was there slow points, high points? Like, like was there moments where you ever felt worried that maybe we don't make the playoffs or were you always very confident leading into the end of the season? So going into preseason, I think we were tipped to finish in the playoffs, but in the mm. low ends, like sixth to eighth, but we should be okay to get in. But yeah. I don't think there was an expectation, so that was a good thing. We weren't expected to be challenging, so it gave Nancy a bit of time. Our first game, we lost 4-1 in Philadelphia, and um, we didn't know, that. again, we didn't know the team, we didn't know the players at this point, mm. but he brought in uh, Patrick Schulte as goalkeeper. Kid was on MLS, um, on Crew 2, never played before. We, we lost 4-1. He gave, gave away two. He didn't give away. He let in two penalties. And everyone's saying, what, you know, what is this guy doing? This is going to be a slow season. But from the very first home game, we, I think we only lost one game at home all season. And that was against you guys, which that was pretty messy as well. So I don't know how we let that one slip. You guys did 2-1. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That, that team was awful. <laughs> you, were, you were still in the... My uh, goodness gracious. You were still being dragged down by Phil Neville at that time. But... Um, yeah, that's another Dark story. Ages. Dark <laughs> boy, ages. oh boy! Trust me, I know. As you know, and as as someone who follows English soccer, I I was against that from the beginning. I was like, and I would talk to my friend who's an academy coach because he's like the tactics guy. I could talk to him about tactics, and I'd be like, this guy is sucking the energy out of this club. Like he is playing such negative football. And and I just remember what my friend said, and he goes. He's just English, man. He's just very, very English. <laughs> you might, um, you might want to get a Paul and Timbers fan on next because that's he's going up there next to mess their team up. So yes, I see. Yeah, how I, I watched, I watched the whole press conference of that their, going. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm really pissed. interested to see how that turns out. Um, huh, yeah, we'll hmm. see. But Mel, did yes, you see? He pulled out that result. Ever, <laughs> do you feel like there's ever a, a phase in the season where we were struggling? Honestly, I think I think we just got better as the season went on. And I think in terms of Nancy, it was interesting, like talking to the other fans. And I think they just gradually started to trust him. Um, again, my um, analytics of soccer, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of learning. I, I was a Spurs fan mm -hmm. because of Pete and I've been watching Spurs for a few years. But this is like the first season I've really like watched, a, you know, a team really closely. So I'm learning. But gotcha. um, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like he was very offensive um, and I think some of the fans were a little nervous as we were sometimes, yeah. um, in the beginning, but you kind of, we kind of learned to trust him. Um, and I think that's what made, I, I could be wrong, but I think our possession was one of the top in the league. Our possession oh, yeah, and definitely. our goal scoring, because I, I would compare him, um, loosely to Postacoglu at Spurs. He just lets us play and Crew don't have the best squad. We don't have any defenders. We, we until we signed Camacho, we had no centre backs. But he was playing players out of position with the idea that we'd have more of the ball, create some more chances, and it did mean there were some games, especially away from home, where we gave up some really bad goals, and we were giving up goals in the last minutes. Um, we were taking risks at the back, but 
if you're winning all your home games and the fans are there seeing that, you've only you've only got to get in the playoffs, right? The the pressure isn't quite there. And because we had a good start, especially at home, we were never out. I don't think we was outside that top five from like April onwards or May onwards. And when did Lucas sell the rent? When did he leave? Because that was really nerve wracking time too. Yeah, that was another question I was going to ask you is like, when I saw that move, it was, I think right after the all-star weekend and I was, I was was around that time. I was, I was surprised. Um, I thought they would have found a way to keep him somehow. I get that. He never really kind of because he Zellerion was always a pure 10. Like I've watched him throughout the past. He's he's a pure 10. And I know in Nancy's system, you guys kind of had him in a, a winger position. And it just seemed like maybe he just wasn't so much of a system fit. But even so, I seemed like he was playing really well. I mean, obviously good enough to make it into the all-star weekend. Yeah. So that's why I thought it was very odd. I guess, yeah, what was you guys' emotions like after that happened? I remember we well, went I guess it was mixed emotions because you had Diego Rossi come in as well, which ended up being a massive signing, which I loved at LAFC when he was there. Yeah, we went tailgating. Was that like the same day they announced it? It, it? it was during the League's Cup. It was a League's Cup game, which, by the way, do we now have a pod on why that's such a crap tournament? But... um. We well, went to- trust me, <laughs> we're winners of the tournament, and we, <laughs> we, we destroyed it. We we hate it. I honestly, I yeah. We, we I'll take. Listen, I'll, I'll take the trophy though. I'm yo. happy about that. <laughs> I'm taking that, but I'll still talk and the Champions about Cup. <laughs> take the trophy. So oh, we yeah, yeah, we'll take the Champions Cup too. Yeah, it was um yeah it was it was a League's Cup game. We turned up tailgate. I think it was against the Mex- Mexican side because we were everyone was buzzing mm-hmm. for that. And then someone came along and said, "Oh, we just sold Zelarian." But people were devastated. They were genuinely yeah, devastated. Like really yeah, really upset. You, if if you go before the game, like with people with names on the shirt, at least half the fans have Zelarian on the back of the shirt. He was that big deal for us, but um, but that's again when Nancy was so good because he came out, and then uh, Rossi came in, but Rossi wasn't fit straight away. But we we always seem to have someone else to come in and score the goals. Cucho, most of his goals and assists came after Zelleran left. I was going to say he's almost been playing better since then. Yeah, yeah, he he steps up. Uh, Matan is one of my favourites. He's not the best. He makes a lot of mistakes, gives the ball away, but I just sort of was drawn to him the first game he went to. Again, the first game he went to, we didn't know any of the players. We were literally looking at players, and I think Aidan Morris had a cast on his arm, mm-hmm. and that's the only reason we knew who he was, because he stood out. <laughs> and it took us a few games to to learn all these players, apart from this, like Zeta, everyone knows Zeta and stuff like that. But um, but Nancy just, he has this way, again, like Postacoglu, I'm, I keep making it Spurs-centric, but like we've got all these injuries, and the way he comes out and presents himself, he's like, my team is good enough. We're going to go this way now, with this direction. And what I thought was kind of beautiful at the end was the weekend we won MLS Cup, ZRAM played away to the bottom team in Saudi Arabia and lost 2-0. And I'm like, that that's that's you, you take the money, that's where your career went. You know, I know we love him, but we had to sell him because if Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. comes calling comes calling, it's gonna be yeah, a lot. I mean, so. if you could I, I see it from a Columbus perspective. You have a guy which you're probably not gonna get I mean, I don't remember his age. I want to say he's just over he? 30. Tw- maybe, um, so maybe it's like 29 or something what, like what did you guys get for him like 12 million on the transfer market for him so it's like yeah. not, a, not a bad sell from Columbus's part but like it does hurt in the moment because it's like this is a guy that's been with you guys for the past couple of years and then <clears throat> just shipped off when you think he's probably going to be a long-standing piece but I guess you, you mentioned that Cucho started to look better when he left why do you think that is I don't know because I don't 
analyze the games that closely, but I felt like he had he was given more responsibility. Because mm-hmm. Zelarayan was always the player that was free to go where he wanted. Once we didn't have that player in the team, I think Cooch. If you watch Cucho, he's never playing as a striker. He's he's out on the left wing. He's down at right back. It's like a false nine or more. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I think when Zelarayan was there, he we couldn't have two players doing that. So he was a bit mm-hmm. more restricted. And taking soccer skills out of it, I think after he left too, Cucho kind of stepped up. Like his passion, he seemed a lot more yeah vocal. Like I think like he it's stepped his, up. His yeah. team. It's like now yeah. it's my team. Like I have to manage. Like I have to be the guy. I'm the mm-hmm. I'm the DP. Big signing. I got to do what I have to do. Yeah, because even watching you guys throughout the playoffs and a little bit here and there and towards the end of the regular season, I did notice like he is dropping back. He's making those uh, some of those passes to to break the line. And especially in, in the the final, like there was just he just showed a lot of quality that I was just like, wow! Like it, it, he's obviously more than just a lethal scorer. Like he can really open up the game yeah. for a lot of people. <clears throat> and I get so. In what way do you think Rossi helped the team? I think Rossi he was actually quite a slow starter when he came in. Um, I was aware he was great when he was here, but did he go to Tur- was it Turkey for a year or yeah, two? Yeah, he, he, he went to Fenerbahce. He went to Fenerbahce. And, I, and I only know Fenerbahce. that because I have a friend from from Istanbul who okay. that's his team. So I was like, I remember hey, it was I a big. He, I hope he works out. I was telling him, I was like, he's a good player. I hope it works out. But Turkey's a tough one. It's a tough yeah, place. I remember to, he was uh, a big transfer uh, over there. He was like, yeah, it was a big deal. LA did pretty well on that transfer to yeah. over there. But he came in. Remember. He came in and he was very slow to get going, and we were we were looking at him thinking, yeah, because I didn't know who he was and I was a little unsure. Yeah, and I said to you like he he's proven himself yeah. in MLS before, but he it took him a while, but he just gave us more balance. And again, Matan ended up towards the end of the season coming in playing ninety minutes as well. But Rossi is so much better on the ball; he doesn't make mistakes. He sees passes other players aren't seeing, and once him and Cucho got an understanding going, I think that was the difference. Yeah, it, it, like like I said, like towards the end of the season when it seemed like I, I'm kind of I didn't see the first few games when he first came in because I, uh, I, I can't catch every game. But uh, that is a little surprising because, yeah, with him having MLS experience, usually those guys can come in like that because like we already know they already understand the system, the travel, everything. So it's kind of odd to see him have such a slow start, but at least he turned up know, for like, you guys. I guess when, at when least my to- perspective, you know, having a friend, you know, knowing a little bit about the Turkish league. Um, it really is like, it's hard to explain. It's very corrupt. It's very top heavy. They only have a few teams that are very good and they can spend money, but they kind of get their money from, you know, who knows where, and they don't even have that much and they run their teams badly. So he's like, we can spend millions on someone like Diego Rossi, but we're in like tens millions of debt. So I, I just think that's a crazy place to go to unless you're really good. It's so difficult that I just, it, it doesn't surprise me that maybe when he comes back to the MLS, he has to kind of shake that off and be like, okay, all right, yeah. I'm back. He, he may is, not have know. had like the match fitness. I don't know what the training's like out there. Maybe he just had the time off, but, but also Nancy's got such a way of playing. It might have taken him a few games to get that into his mind. Like we were saying before the journey through the season, we were making so many mistakes and we'd always lose away. We've got this thing where we always give away a free kick in the last kick of the game where they can put it in, into the box and we always can see the goal. Mm-hmm. We get to the playoffs, we have to go to Orlando, we have to go to Cincy and we got all that out of our system. We controlled both games 
and we never looked like I, when when we saw the draw, we like if we get to the final, we're at home because we've got more points than anyone in the West. But as just crew fans, we were like, we probably won't get to Lowe.com again this season because I don't think we're going to get past Orlando and we're not going to get past Cincy because we've seen our away games. But both of those games, we absolutely dominated both of those games. So I actually want to bring this up. So before the playoffs started, me and Adam did a kind of like a playoff bracket. Me and him both did it on the show. Okay. All right. Greg. <laughs> Go ahead. Adam got a lot wrong. I, I pretty much had I the to entire bracket correct. I had crew winning it all because Ooh. of the way the tactics played. Because uh, what opened my eyes to how Nancy played was there's, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a video on YouTube saying, man, I don't know the name of it, but I remember the channel's called, it's called soccer. And the guy breaks down the tactics of what Wills for Nancy does and what he's been doing that first half of the season. And basically how he's trained the team to kind of bunch up on one side play triangles and then kick it over to the other side. And why he, and because of that is why he relies so much on having very strong wingbacks, which is part of the reason, I guess why you guys brought in Julian Gressel halfway through as well. And me and Adam, as we're watching the playoff games, we did notice him start to do that. I'm like, wow, man, that does open up a ton of space because then it almost, you create like this almost kind of like a transition play, even though it's not a really transition play, because you get everything so bunched that the other team has to respect it because you have players like Aiden Morris and Darlington Nagby. And then you just cross it over, opens up the whole field again, because now those players are trying to come back and then it gives the chance for uh, Kucho to come in and Gressel or whoever else to charge the field. And like, I'm like, wow, now I see what he's doing here. Like, this is pretty, pretty wild. So I don't yeah. know if you guys started to kind of pick that up too, because I, I watched that video and I didn't really notice it at first. And I'm like, wow, like that is, is an interesting yeah. concept. Julian, I actually listened to your pod the other day and with the predictions um, and yeah, like, obviously you got it right, but I would not have called a Columbus LA final. Really? Not, yeah. Honestly, it might be the Spurs fan in me. So I'm used to disappointment, but it was <laughs> such a hard ride. To, we were just excited for the chance to, to get, you know, each time. So you see how right yeah. I was. I was. Yeah. I was. The, the only games I got wrong was I had I had Nashville beating Orlando because I wasn't a lot. I, I don't know. I feel like a. I know I'm a Miami fan saying this, but well, I feel like my, I, I I'm trying to be unbiased here. But I felt I'll like Orlando was. was a little overrated in a way. Like yeah, I felt like well, they lacked a lot of the quality. The one thing that, about like, Orlando, for example, you guys had with like Cucho, like. Orlando doesn't have that lethal killer like you guys had with Cucho. Orlando always shocked me where they were. You Mm -hmm. know, like every time like they would win a game, one nothing or something, and I'd look at the table, it'd be like, geez, like it's halfway through the season. How are Orlando still like up there? You know, you would always feel like "Eh, it's gonna it's gonna fall apart eventually for them. And it it never really did, but it never got any better either, which is weird. So it was kind of it was a weird season for them. (laughs) Go, I just feel the MLS is all about scoring and attacking. And yeah. if you have a guy well, who can put up heavy. goals and can and can do it, you guys were up there with Cincinnati as the best teams who can score goals in the league. So yeah, it's, to me, it's like if you got past Nashville and Atlanta, the the Cincinnati game was that was the I don't remember what I said, but that was the game. I'm like, that's that's going to be a tough one. But something about the number one seeds almost never win the MLS playoffs. So I'm going based off odds there. So it's mm-hmm. like the odds of them actually making it to the final versus getting beat 
is possible. And I figured you guys were going to have a lot of away fans that were going to go there. So it's going to create a really interesting atmosphere. So, and I just didn't really see the West um, as, as super strong outside of LAFC. So I pretty much got, except I got the first St. Louis game wrong. Louis, I didn't see yeah. Kansas City beating them. And then I had um, Nashville beating Orlando. But outside of that, everything else was right. And I had you guys all the way to the end. So, and I really, because of the ability on offense, and I try, I feel like, and you probably see because you watch a lot of the Premier League, a lot of MLS coaches just aren't very tactical. And when you have a guy who is, it's such a huge advantage. They're not. They're being able to really, being able to see someone just kind of toy with another coach. That means I put a lot of weight into that. But yeah, going back to what you said, Julian, like, there was, I think it was the Atlanta. I'm not sure which game it was. We played them twice. At, did we play? Them, yeah, played them twice at home. Um, remember, it was the one where Gressel was through in the first ten seconds, and he and he missed, and yeah, he dead, and then he didn't recover for half an hour. Yeah, but um, we turned the ball over on the edge of our box with a lovely little touch from Gressel. Went to Morris, one pass out wide. I think maybe Yabal on the left, through to Kucha, and we scored within like ten. We kept doing that. We scored within ten seconds of getting the ball back because we attacked that quickly. When we played Orlando away, they took off their two attacking players because they couldn't cope defensively. So we kind of stopped the other teams from playing. Cincy, they were done. They were on the floor. By the time we got that goal back in 75 minutes, we were like, we're going to win this because yeah, as long as we can score the goal because they were done. They couldn't keep pace with the speed we were changing the ball over. But the reason for that as well, I just want to mention Darlington Nagby. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets in that midfield. He doesn't. He got a ninety-six percent pass completion rate in the final. He, I think that's his fourth cup now, and he is colossal. Like he does not give the ball away, and that's yeah. that allows the rest of the team to to kick on and and to attack with him sitting I, there. I was proud of myself because I'm new to the sport, and I picked him up like halfway through, and I was like, "Who is this guy? I really like him." And I started making all my bets on Nagby. To- to, to score. <laughs> All her bets every week are Nagby to score, Nagby shot on target. And I'm I like, kept winning because he's so good. Kept coming in, yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, he's one of those yeah, where that's great. he's he's a big you wish you would have saw him push himself a little bit more. It's from like if you're a US soccer fan. Yeah. Like because he was a guy that easily in his prime could have went overseas and at least give it a shot. You know what I mean? See what happens. He I thought he always had the the technical capability and the to, to do, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar World Cup, but he, I think he could have made his own over there potentially. He should have at least gave it a shot. But um, I do think the fact that, because I mean, when he came in, I believe it was 2012, that was a whole different league. I oh, mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. The quality. So the fact that he was able to stay in this league and see the quality drastically change, and he's still one of the best players, even though the quality has risen so much and the salaries have gotten so much higher. To me, almost kind of proves that maybe he sh- he could have made it over there because we've seen the, the talent changes. But yeah, he's such a big piece, and having Aiden Morris learn from him is is huge. Yeah, and Morris is an engine. Morris is a kid, like he's twenty two, yeah. I think, but he looks sixteen. Like he's got the bright red cheeks within five minutes of the game starting, but he does not stop. So you got him and Nagby complementing each other in there, and I think that makes the difference. He's actually from a town like maybe ten minutes from Adam right now. Uh, really, where? Weston. He plays oh, in Weston. Yeah, Weston. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He played in Weston. Yeah. Fucking everywhere. Everybody, a, everybody like a, knows Weston. That's my friend he's coach like a is over there. over there. 
He's like a legend yeah. at Weston FC, and Weston FC is it's, like one of the best academies. Yeah, that's that's like Coast. an M- it's an MLS talent generator, Weston FC. Okay. So like only academy that we has have always had down here that really competes. You know, they even like they would field the team in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, There's a lot of money. Let's just say that it's a yeah, it's a very yes. uh, yeah. Very... Let's put it like this: like um, <laughs> we we would at working at the games, we would have a lot of people come to us, and they'd be like, "Hey, how uh, my son's really good? How do how does he get on the Inter Miami Academy?" And I'd be and I'd be honest with them. I'd be like, "Try and get him to play for Weston FC." Because they the snag truth. kids from there that's, all the time. They snag kids from like, there all the time. They like Inter Miami. They could walk right into it because it's like we're right here. So they they can just go and be like, hey guys, you want to come play for an MLS team? And they don't have to move. They their family's still here and everything. It's their local team. So it was good that that definitely helped Miami a little bit. The fact that we already had that that was established for a while before. You know, I don't know exactly how long they've been um, in existence, but definitely way before Inter Miami was formed. So they already kind of had an academy operating out of South Florida that they can kind of come and be like, okay, we want you, we want you. And yeah, a bunch of our young players, they came from the Weston FC Academy. So it's a very great, very, very good academy. So how were, like, what was kind of your emotions going through the game? So the first half, like I could quickly speak on my end, like I felt Columbus was dominant pretty much the entire first half. Like, it wasn't even yeah. close. L.A. looked like they didn't even show up. It was an absolute bloodbath in every way. It just felt like you guys were just outclassing them. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, the ability... The the the, the biggest thing that I picked away from that first half was just the passing accuracy. Accuracy was incredible. Like, I felt like anytime somebody on the crew passed, it, it was going to the right person at the right spot, which ultimately led to the first two goals. So I guess like what was how were you guys feeling coming at going into halftime after seeing all that? Halftime we were buzzing, weren't we? We that was one of the best forty-five minutes I think we've seen. And it's kind of unlike us. Just our personalities. Even if we're winning by two, we'll be like, "Oh shit, we gotta like we gotta keep it the second half." We we think we're gonna lose. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the most way. deceiving score in football. It's the most deceiving yeah. score in football is too. But. That game was different. We were like, we got this. I think the atmosphere just rode us along. I mean, I was drinking from midday, so I can't really tell you. She was she was the designated <laughs> driver, so she was probably focused more than I was. But that's when we rewatched the the game back, the highlights. Like they had a fifteen minute strong period in the second half. I don't remember that. It's a blur. Um, and I don't that's think a that's good important. point. That was, no, I felt that. Yeah, I didn't. It, 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 within the stadium, the chanting was relentless. The we never felt like we were going to give this game away. It just, it just felt like it sounds so cliche, but it did feel like it was ours. Once we started that game, it was our game. Yeah, Julian can attest to this, but after uh, you guys scored the second goal and went up two nil, I did text in our group chat, GG. I was like, yeah, I mean, that's it's. And then they insane. said that's like, when yeah, they said like, most deceiving score in football, and I was like, yeah, but no, not this one. So I can understand. Yeah, my you guys biggest thing with LA way. was. I, I still don't understand why they haven't done it. LA oh, well, needs a striker. I'm talk about it I don't know minute. why they. I don't know why they. They never got one. They still have an open DP spot, and I just felt like your guys' midfield, like at that point, was just dominating the game. No matter, it would have took Bawanga to to put away three goals to win that game. Just yeah, going into that second half, and it looked like LA did start to turn up in that second half. Um, they ended up getting the goal. I guess like towards the end. 
it did seem like LA was starting to ramp up and stuff. Like what was kind of that, the atmosphere in the stadium then when you start seeing, because I want to say the last 10 minutes, LA was pretty much just because you guys took out Cucho and put in the big boy Ramirez and and, uh, pretty much started to set back, which I was like, Ooh, that's a nerve wracking like moment because if they equalize, because if they equalize, you're going into extra time and LA is pretty much still has, Wonga on the field and now you took out your best scorer like I was like that is a risky move by Nancy right there if you if you watch I think when Kucho and Nagby as well they both could barely walk off the field they were they were completely spent yeah yeah. so it was kind of a necessity but it it still didn't feel like they were going to get that goal if it had gone to extra time we would have been in trouble for sure yeah I said you that that was that was my biggest concern because I mean at that point yeah they're only down by one you get in there and I because yeah, I guess Nancy kind of like, because like you kind of mentioned with the Cincinnati game, Acosta was dead. Mm-hmm. Acosta was so dead. Yeah. They kept him in the game, and a lot of people yeah. made the argument that it probably the reason why Columbus came back in that extra time is because they kept Acosta in because they were worried because Cincinnati lost in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal to Miami because they took out Bupenza and Acosta. So they didn't want to repeat that mistake against you guys, but then it ended up biting in the ass. And now it seems like Nancy's like, I don't want to risk that anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. And we've like, we, as much as Cucho's out, like our figurehead, we've always felt like if someone's out, Ramirez steps in completely mm-hmm. different player. He's not mobile, but he just fits into the team and he will get on the end of chances. Mm-hmm. He saved us in the, uh, the Cincy game. I mean, the first one's own goal, but he was there and then he scored the the winner. We absolutely love Ramirez. Yeah, he's and, one of our favorites. And midway through the season, he was playing like 90 minutes. He was a starter uh, while Rossi was getting up to speed and then he got taken out. But it, whoever came in, apart from Kevin Molino, for some reason, Kevin Molino comes in and he's it's a disaster. I don't know why he keeps coming on for five minutes. When you see him come on, you worry. But the rest of the team that come in, they just do the same job. They just fit. It just works. That's funny. We We used to say that about Harvey Neville. They'd put they bring him on for the last five minutes of the game, and it's like it's over, man. Why? What, we're not even trying. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is he going to give us? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Adam, you want to bring up the Chirundalo comments? I do. So, yeah, I, I, I we talked a lot about you know Columbus, rightfully so, but I do want to touch a little bit about LA. Like we said, they just got, especially in the first half, they got absolutely tactically outclassed, and this is why I have a problem with this comment. And I have another problem with this comment too. But so Chirondolo said that LA in general is the better team, but Columbus was better on the day. I think that is uh, number one. He's, I think he's just saying that because he's salty. I think he's upset that he got outclassed by a coach in his first year at the job. Uh, so I think that's part of it. And another part of it is they went. Oh, and six. They had six opportunities to win champ- uh, titles. They, I don't know what they call it. Julian, you know what they call it? The, um, it's it's kind of like our Super Cup uh, between the winner of the Liga MX and winner. Is that, oh, the, the, is that um, the, the Campiones the, Cup? About the, yeah, the Campiones Cup. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I just forgot the name. But yeah, so there's that's they lost that. And then they lost the Champions League final. So that's two. Then they lost in the U.S. Open Cup. They lost in the League's Cup. They lost the Supporters' Shield. 
and they lost the MLS Cup. And they and they were considered the top dogs. Like they were the favorites coming in. They were arguably favorites to win the CONCACAF Champions League. So I think, you know, and he was saying things like, oh, this season was a success. No, it wasn't. I don't understand. Like, am I crazy? Like, am I crazy to think that that he's just kind of talking out of his ass because he's because he's salty? Like, it just seems like like the dude had so many so many ex- expectations and and good players, and to lose, you know, three finals or final. One of them is the cup, so two finals, but and then one, you know, championship game, I guess. That's a, that's in my opinion that would be a bad season. I mean, I guess there's teams out there that would consider that a success, but I see that as a failure, and I think that's a stupid answer. Well, you have to remember it's fine margins. So last year they only won because they had Gareth Bauer scored in the last kick of the game. They almost lost that. That's a good well. point. Yeah. What we take from it is um, we were so just quickly we went back to go back to the Cincy game. We're two 0 down, and we were devastated at halftime. And I said to Mel like. If we lose this game, it's fine, but we need to play. We need to have, have shown up because we 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 didn't get lucky. We deserve the game, but in soccer, you score or you don't. LA didn't show up for for the final against us. So whether the the better team or not, who cares? It's MLS. You don't play the West. Every team in the West. It's not a an even home and away schedule. You've got to show up in the big games, and they didn't do that. They showed up on seventy five minutes for a little while, and yeah, I feel like yeah. I was gonna say I feel like. If if I'm a, a fan, like you're telling me the season success, like yeah, we lost three we lost three trophies. We lost the Champions Cup, the Champions League final, and you lose this, which I mean that's kind of whatever. There can't be Ones Cup. And then you lose this final. I guess maybe it doesn't seem as bad because you won last year, but to me, yeah, to say that success is a little egregious. Like, I mean, as I mean, inter Miami fans, we consider this season a success in quotes. Yeah, because it was so bad on one side, but we have a title, and it was such a great run. And even even we're hesitant to be like, yeah, that was a successful season. And we signed Messi. Like we're sitting here, like, yeah, I don't know, because that's just how how it was for us. So I don't understand how you can lose it all and just be like, yeah, no, we were, results matter. Good. You know, it yeah. I mean, he was I right guess- to say we were better on the day, but he didn't need to say they think if they want to be the better. Who cares? We we won the trophy, we won the game. And, as and you I don't said, even I agree with them. Lost all those games. I didn't realize. Yeah, well, that's the, yeah, exactly. I don't agree with them, yeah. even on that statement. Um, and I, I think, think Columbus is the better like team. It's results based. You got to perform on the day. So that's a that's another good reason why I think it was just a stupid comment. I mean, he got tactically outclassed, um, and he felt like he needed to explain it. I guess. Well, explain it. I don't even know if you really call that explaining it. I guess giving an excuse is more yeah. like it. So I guess where do you see like Columbus going into next season? Like now you guys are playing in the Champions Cup, the newly formatted version. Just had the draw. Um, I don't know if you guys had the chance to see the format or anything, but uh, I guess like what's your expectations going into the season, the league, league play, and also like the Champions Cup? Like, do you guys think? A legitimate do you expect to be a legitimate contender for the the continental trophy i think so because the way the draw has gone i had a quick look we, we we're in the last 16 automatically from winning and we'll be playing yeah. i think it's either houston or st louis 
first game. So we've got a domestic game, basically. So we back ourselves against, as same as they will back themselves against us. We haven't got to do the travel in that sense. Most of the big hitters, from what limited amount I know about Central and Central American teams, are on the other side of the draw. So we should be okay there. And and quite frankly, it, it's the Champions Cups at the start of the season. If we're playing like on a midweek game, we can kind of rest players for the. We've only got to get in the playoffs. You don't need to win every game in MLS. You just got to. Yeah. So if we prioritise that, which is a choice to be made, whether whether we do or not, then then we can go far for sure. It arguably yeah, hurt th- LAFC this year. I and mean, that was something we talked about a lot in past episodes. You know, we were we were saying, you know, if they end up losing, you know, are they going to look back and say, should we have prioritized one or the other? Because now that they, they got nothing to show for it and they tried for everything. I mean, you look at Seattle and they had to completely throw away their entire season. Like not just resting a few players here and there. They completely fielded a B team for MLS and then focused all on CONCACAF Champions League. And it paid off for them. They won and then they were decent this year because they actually came back and, you know, started playing their their guys again. Yeah, I will say, um, I know you say you don't know much about like Liga MX stuff. I don't know much about it either. Um, I, I lose, I grew up Hispanic, so I, I obviously, I, my my grandfather i'm costa rican and puerto rican my grandfather is costa rican diehard soccer fan and so like the only time in america that we can watch like soccer in spanish is a lot of the mexican games so i grew up kind of knowing the names and stuff and um i looked at like kind of the season and how they're performing like i will say this side of the bracket uh that columbus that like the columbus side of the bracket is stacked that's going to be the tougher side. The ease, the other side is going to be a little bit easier because not only you guys, which are going to be a, a tough team and like I said, legitimate contenders, at least I think as well. Um, you do face the winner of Houston, St. Louis, which I think is going to be generally kind of a tough game. Um, but then also after that Tigres, Tigres is the highest spending club in all of North America. Like they're, that's a very tough team. And then you go on the bottom side of the bracket, you have Miami, which is going to be revamped and probably going to be pretty good. Cincinnati. Hopefully. And then, and then Monterey, which is like another powerhouse club with a ton of money that they're spending. So like this side is going to be tough, but it's going to be super, super entertaining. Like for you guys, I think, I, I think we could, I think guess potentially make it to the semifinals, but it's going to be a really fun thing. And I, I do expect a lot of these MLS teams, like you said, probably, going to have to rest a lot on these weekend games because yeah as long as you like nine teams into the playoffs it's, like it's, yeah it's, <laughs> you can afford to yeah. let a few games go as long as you can pick up that form later in the season you can afford to let a few games go i think we're feeling and, pretty confident too that um most of our players have resigned for next year which has been really true. nice i think only gressel we let gressel leaving, go but um yeah. that was exciting like the couple of days following the cup scene seeing that a lot of guys were sticking around so yeah, I was going to say that. I saw that. Yeah, you guys are pretty much going to run them back with the same team, and then probably add people, add pieces in the uh, the summer window. So, I guess do you see yourself going back to back? Do you think there's the depth there to go back to back? I don't think while, man- we have- while managing these other the other tournaments and stuff. I don't think we really have the depth this season, to be quite honest. So, I don't see us having unless we bring more players in defensively. We we I do think that every year things change. We teams are going to be more wise to the way we play. It might be harder to hit that amount of goals again. 
um, and defensively, we get found out a lot. We've got um, Camacho, he's, he's older as well. He's the only guy that really holds that back line. Um, but we trust in Nancy. He, he seems to have a plan. He knows what he's doing. Um, we're just a week off the end of the season, so we'll see what happens in the next couple of months in terms of bringing players in. Um, but yeah, it, it's to, again, you get to the playoffs and, and anyone can do it. You, you really can. So it's all about getting those home tyres. Yeah. So like at the Atlanta game, we could have they could have beat us, but we we had two home games against their one, so it, it's such an advantage. Yeah, yeah that was the I only mean, time really the best is. of three was actually entertaining was the Columbus Atlanta series. Yes. Like yeah. the best of three was, to, in my opinion, I thought I was not a fan of it. That was the only series where it actually felt like, oh wow, this is actually like kind of fun and interesting. Like it's actually kind of coming a back and forth. Um, but outside of that, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that the whole thing yeah and I, th- I think i ended weeks, up after three weeks off yeah after that happened i think i ended up looking at all the games and i found out that if they had not done it and they had just kept it to one game every team that advanced would still have advanced off of the one game so we wasted all that time and they had the international break in the middle of it it, it just seemed oh, like, that, was that was the worst awful. part that, <laughs> that was, was the worst part <laughs> so you know it just it occurred to me when you guys said it you know you're a week off the season and now i'm thinking about it i was like dang we are way off yeah. like we've had our last game so long ago like geez how is it yeah. that there was still a season going on it is but you guys that's are too much tour, you guys are going on tour around the world you're the hot you're the hard uh, now you're, <laughs> you're in saudi arabia you're in yeah, China. Know, right? and, oh man it yeah, is we keep seeing these new stories traveling. and it's like come on guys like whatever i mean i get it they're cashing in but it, yeah. a lot of things has been very um iffy uh, you know a lot of people are annoyed we have by far the most expensive season tickets in the league oh, more expensive than a in lot of worlds we're more expensive world. than a lot of european clubs haven't they uh, doubled then, the price for this season yeah yeah it's more expensive than real madrid season tickets to go to the bernabeu it's cheaper to go to the bernabeu like right up front to wow. see some of the we got a, we got a wait list it now it's insane so to you go know, to our glorified high school they sold stadium because <laughs> that's what we have it's a glorified it's metal bleachers it's not even like an actual like yeah, concrete. The facility <laughs> is nice though. I will say the training facility and like the surrounding infrastructure is nice. It's it's just you could tell it's very obviously a temporary stadium and it's in a location. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying there's there's not going to be traffic. There's always going to be traffic in South Florida, but like they put it in a spot where you know, it just everything collects and it could just be a standstill one lane trying to get onto the main road out of the the main parking lot and that's you know always been the thing for me i was like if they just had more space here and just said screw it you know we don't need to actually be in miami because if you look at the map like we're it is geographically like in the middle of south florida like the tri-county area with palm beach miami like it is filling in the gaps to the point where look like people complain. Like I know there's some people that come to the games and they're like, Hey, you know, when are you going to build a stadium in Miami? I hate driving 45 minutes or whatever. You know, there's still people that are coming to the games. Um, but the location has just been very, very rough. It sounds um, like what you guys had with the original stadium too, right? With that bad of a location. So I'm not sure which one of you was talking about, but you were talking about the Red Bull Stadium in in the previous episode about how it's out in the industrial area outside of oh, New Jersey, and, yeah, and that's what because I did some have. traveling for work, so I did yeah, see that area. It was like it's like a oil yard or something like that. 
Yeah, and we drove into New York this year and we saw it and we were like, it looks like shipping containers all around it. But what, what we have here with crew, we're on the north side of Columbus. We're home mm. in 15 minutes and we can park. And and that's, I mean, the previous stadium's not that far out, is it? It's not, no, no, no. It's just you can't, there's no bars or there's nothing <laughs> around because you can't walk to this. Whereas now you can you can go out downtown. We're right by the Nationwide Arena, which is where the Blue Jackets play in hockey. And there's tons of bars and restaurants there. And it's a 15 minute walk to the stadium from there. So that's actually like another good point we don't have that's anything lively. yeah that's we don't we're similar situation where our stadium is right now we have there's no bars we don't we have to set no, up a fans warehouses it's, yeah it's in yeah it's an, an industrial airport. park and we got an executive airport which i you know i i like the airport i can't i can't lie that's, <laughs> that's cool having the private jets flying over um <laughs> And but we yeah, moved the industrial here from um, Chicago. So we used to go to Chicago games. And before they moved to Soldier Field, it was the same situation. They were like outside the city, quite a drive, right off mm-hmm. the highway. And it was it's yeah. been much better being here. If you're a Chicago fan living in Chicago, you would have a, such a long journey. And now they're at Soldier Field and it's no better because no. it's not accessible and it's way too big a stadium for them. Yeah. Well, the thing too with the Chicago too, I'd imagine a lot of people take public transport and stuff too. So it's like, it's it's super tough for them. And that's kind of like the issue. Like here you have to like Ubers are basically impossible. Like you wouldn't even want to take it. It's so expensive. I mean, it's possible, but, uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to uh, switch it up to. So there's actually um, you can say to Melissa, if you want, like um, MLS just announced that they're backing that, out yeah. of the US Open Cup literally right before we got onto the show. I don't know if you guys had the chance to see it at all. No, can you tell us about that? I didn't know this. It happened yeah, like, so, like he so 30 Julian minutes before we started. messaged me when I was getting home. Like I was getting home from work and he was like, "Oh, by the way, MLS is out of US Open Cup." And I, and I just sent WTF. Like Yeah, like, so I don't know if you guys thought like I guess like since the league ended Don Garber, they did the state of the league and all this other stuff. A bunch of news it's coming crazy. out about the roster rules and all this stuff. And um, yeah, they just announced today that US, um, the MLS will no longer participate in the U.S. Open Cup, that the MLS Next Pro will take its spot. And they're currently trying to figure out what they're going to do with that, that CCC berth to get into the Champions League, whether if they're even going to grant it to a, a Next Pro MLS next pro team, or if it's just going to be a USL team or whatever, I guess they're still trying to figure out that portion of it. Like who's going to actually earn the birth, but yeah, they're pretty much backed out. Uh, so what are your raw thoughts on it? Since you guys are just now finding about it, I'm kind of curious on your raw thoughts. I think it's terrible. I mean, the U S open cup is one of the longest cup running cups, right? It's the and third yeah, oldest, the cup oldest competition in the, in the world. world. Yeah. One of the oldest in the world. Yeah. It's the it, third it, oldest in the world. And Listen, I know all about I know all about old cup competitions. <laughs> <laughs> so I it really is like I think that's the beauty of the cup is I went and in in actually Miami because Inter Miami was drawn against the USL team Miami FC who plays out of the um, Florida International University's football stadium. That, that area is nice too. Um, so we went to that game and it's like, and I was thinking about it. I was like, this is what's so cool. And this is why I love watching cup games. You know, even in England, the FA cup, you have these teams in league two sometimes that end up 
even hosting like a team like Manchester United or a team mm-hmm. like Chelsea or a team like Arsenal, and you have like these huge teams coming into these old locker rooms and these old stadiums that still have the posts blocking your view when you sit. And that's the magic of the cup is that anybody can win it. You know, one of my best friends, the reason I'm an Arsenal fan, his dad told me a story about how he played for a semi-professional team and he played in one of the qualifying rounds of the FA Cup as a left back against West Ham. Wow. West West Ham ended up playing all their 15-year-olds and they still lost 7-0. But he played <laughs> and he had a chance to win it. And that's so cool. And it's the same thing here. You know, you had these little teams. Like I said, Weston FC, uh, the local academy, they field a team. They play every year. So it's it's crazy. It's It's such... Because that's everybody who follows the sport knows you have your league, you have your cup competition. Every country has it. Uh, Italy, Germany, Germany with the Pokal, uh, La Liga with the Copa, you know, England obviously with the FA Cup. But the, I the, mean, it's crazy that they that they're just saying, eh, we have too many games, but they're going to the, keep yeah. the league's cup. The problem you have here is. There's no promotion relegation. So this is the only time these teams... Crew this year, we we went to Pittsburgh Riverhounds. We lost 1-0. We rested a lot of players, but we still played a pretty decent squad. You know, took a pretty decent squad. They beat us 1-0. It gave them exposure. It gave that team uh, a chance to see some MLS players. And we ourselves went up to Pittsburgh a couple of months later to go to Riverhounds game because we wanted to check it out. And it's a beautiful stadium, right? It's lovely. So nice. It's on the river. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's cool. Past. It's, you don't I've watch seen the it. game. Yeah. But it's beautiful. Yeah, and it, it's so much fun. You've got the cliffs on one side. And then you've got teams like uh, Lowville um, in the, I think, in the USL Championship. Indy 11 came to us we, in the round prime. Yeah, Indy 11's a good one. Indy 11 brought loads of fans, didn't they? Oh, yeah. The attendance was 2,000 that night in Lowell.com. So it's not, fans of MLS clubs aren't necessarily watching it. But Indy 11 brought a solid amount because for them, it's a yeah, big day out and they get to play an MLS team. Mm-hmm. That's a good point that you bring up, you know, ha- not having a lot of people there. And I understood we we always talked about that and we thought it was more, it, well, definitely partly MLS because they're not promoting it. Mm-hmm. And partly um, the Federation because they run the competition. So they should they should help and and promote it even even more as well uh so it sucks we would have people who are season ticket holders coming to games asking us because like like we said we work on game days coming to us and being like hey we're season ticket holders um is there a game today what is this they're wow. at the stadium asking us this they're like we just don't we don't random... know it's like yeah and it's like <laughs> are you kidding me i was like this is the it just blew my mind that people are not only so like think about all the people who are like i don't know what that is and they're just not going so yeah we have so it was a lot of games and we would we thought it was just us because like my south florida and miami in general we have we're known for having bad fans if the team's not good they're not going to sell out it's just a fact um so we thought it was just us but then we would watch some other games on our phone at the game and we see Oh my God, like even like stadiums that are always packed and sold out are empty as well. And like everybody's talking shit about it. And it was like, well, clearly it's a US Open Cup problem and they got to sort it out because, you know, these other cup competitions don't have that problem. 
But you know what, though, if you look at the other side of it, and I think that's what makes it so great is like when they do go to like when Miami played at Birmingham, Alabama, that like, was cool. That's really cool because otherwise yeah. they would have never went. And a lot Birmingham of people showed region. up. And I think if you really want to grow the sport, like wouldn't you want like these flagship teams going everywhere into these little markets that don't have it to help grow it like a place like going to Birmingham? That's crazy. Like, who would ever thought these players would ever be in the middle of Alabama? But you need that to help kind of like facilitate that. Cause, like, for example, I, I grew up in North Florida in Jacksonville, and uh, we had a formerly an NSAL team, but it's no longer exists anymore. They're actually coming back to be an MLS Next Pro team. But uh, when the Philadelphia Union came to town, we sold out our football stadium, the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. That sold it out, my bad. We sold maybe about. 30,000 tickets yes Jason to see to see a a a Philadelphia Union team with like backups and no one knew who they were but they just wanted to see professional soccer so it's like it sucks to see that not there but I do you know it's a weird the way I've always looked at it it is a weird thing because I get MLS's point of view on it is that it's like U.S. soccer has done an atrocious job at one marketing it organizing it and broadcasting it it's it was awful. Like to watch some of the games, we were watching it like on some random YouTube channel. I think like the yeah. Bleacher Report YouTube channel. And yeah, then it was it would on go Bleacher to like Report. Paramount. And then we go to like Paramount Plus, and it was just all over the place. And then if the moment Messi stepped in, then all of a sudden, oh, we're gonna put it on Peacock, yeah, on Univision. Yeah. We're yeah, gonna no, put it on, like, on yeah, it was on like T- CBS uh, Sports Paramount whatever. Plus, and, and they had like, Ray well, was this the it. whole time. And it's like, where they was get, this the whole time? They get the top so Champions like, The guys who do Champions League for C- CBS are doing the, the U.S. Open Cup semifinal. It's like, oh, now you guys care? <laughs> so it's yeah, like I, U.S. soccer needs cool. to do a better job at it. So it, it's like a yeah, weird thing because I hate MLS for doing it, but then it's also like U.S. They're getting a lot of shit for it. In just a reason. short amount of time, I wasn't re- really able to have the time to see you know the full reactions from the internet. But from what I'm seeing early on, it's pretty universally hated this decision. Everyone's kind of thinking this is stupid and pathetic and killing a store competition. That's really what they're doing. They're killing the third oldest cup competition in the world. It's crazy to think about this. I, I can't even believe it. Uh, yeah. How was the Riverhounds game? Was that cool? Like, like how far is that from you guys? <sighs> Three hour drive. Was it? Yeah, it was the, <laughs> it's a rental ride. It rained. Yeah. The entire <laughs> game was freezing, but, it was, oh, really fun. it was their second from last home game in the regular season, and they they topped the league, but they bombed out in the playoffs in the first round. But um, we it, said it had like an English feel to it, like the stadium and the, the fans, fans are serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because wow. if you want to go to that level, the fans are going really into it. And we like stood next to the pitch and watched. We didn't even go to our seats. Um, yeah, it's too wet to sit down. But no, we we try and do a, a lower league game every season if we can. We've done Indy Eleven in the past and. We'll try and keep because it's to me it's interesting just to go around wherever you are. We do it around the world, yeah. just in the US. We try and pick out different little stadiums. So it's great, great yeah, experience. Cool. The, the one thing t- with some of those, though, like man, sometimes the pitches for those games are t- a tr- so bad. Some of them are really bad. You could say the same like, thing about uh, the other cups, though. Like I said, you know, some at of least these, those are grass, though. Like some, some of these, these are uh, like yeah, that's baseball right. yeah. fields right. with right. <laughs> with clay hey, now, and like don't talk shit about turf. don't talk shit about St. Petersburg. Okay, they got a nice stadium. <laughs> Tampa Bay Rowdies have a nice stadium. I will say, I because I went to see an IndyCar race there. 
very nice. They con- they kind of converted an old baseball stadium into yeah, a soccer stadium. Yeah, that was converted though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they they just use it for that now, but it's still pretty cool. But yeah, so I guess we'll transition over to uh, some international soccer. Um, talk about a little bit of the Euro draws. I'm assuming you're an England fan. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Still waiting for that. First <laughs> yeah. Week. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you're not a Southgate fan, though. <laughs> no, I'm a Southgate fan. I like Southgate. Really? You're a Southgate yeah. fan. He, he he's taking us. I think English fans. I personally think English fans and US fans are very similar when it comes to international soccer. We both get way ahead of our station. Southgate has taken us to a cup final and the World Cup semi-final. That's further than I've been in my lifetime. I'm I'm all in on Southgate still at, the, at this point. I feel like there's a certain expectation with you guys, though, because it's like, oh, the Premier League is the greatest league in yeah. the world. We have like, there's just, just. I do feel like at times the English player does get propped a little bit more. Obviously, I mean, there is the English tax and stuff like that that you wouldn't get, like Declan Rice, for example. No offense, Adam, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. Sorry, oh, yeah, I, I, I get it's I get the fault. I get we paid the, that much, <laughs> but I get like. um but you're saying like a lot of the English names comes from because it's like, I mean, I don't, I can't, I like, I would be annoyed as well. Like, you know what I mean? But maybe uh, it, it's weird, but you want to pull up the, the, the draw, Adam? Can you pull it up? Because it's going to blind me. Okay. I got you. I cannot find a dark here. version. I, I've barely seen this draw. I'm, we're going back to England in the summer for, for the second half of the tournament. Obviously, it's not in England, but I'll be watching it back home with friends. I, I've barely focused on this yet. So, so I it's right. funny because while you're pulling that up, I actually noticed after the draw. I so my mom is born and raised in Poland, so that's kind of my international team, and my grandma still lives there. We've been going through such a horrible, horrible period right now where the the we're being run into the ground by the uh, federation. They just keep hiring idiots they hired like the old portugal manager and we had such an abysmal group that i was actually glad we didn't qualify i was like this is good they fired the coach and then they do the draw and i see oh playoff winner who's in that and then i see that we're playing like estonia or something in the playoff i'm like oh no we could still qualify you you probably will you probably will (laughs) it's one of those weird things where you don't want to qualify (laughs) <laughs> but you, you so, we're so we're so broken how is it that we have somebody one of the best players in the world and we can't do anything with it we have decent midfielders too it's not like we have nobody we've always had good goalies that's kind of the one thing about our country is always had a good goalie and you've got an englishman no, matty, matty cash playing right back that's always a, that's always funny you know one of my <laughs> friends was like wait a second what because he, he clicked on him one time when he was watching the game and he was like, why does it say Matty Cash is Polish? And I was like, oh, his mom's from Poland. So he chose Poland because yeah. he would never play for the English team. Fair <laughs> enough. Even same, yeah. yeah, so I, like, I guess he's never um, going to play for the English team. So might as well. We can kind of go group by group and uh, just give our top two, like who we think is going to advance. So yeah, we'll we don't need to group go too in-depth with this. It's still, yeah, we'll just give like time. a thought. So group A, we have Germany, Scotland, Hungary, and Switzerland. So I'll start with you, Pete. I'm actually going to say Germany and Scotland. Switzerland will draw all three games. 
because they just don't turn <laughs> yes. up to play. Yeah. Shakiri will still be it's there just... with his with his no neck. He's their best player, but he's past it. Scotland have got a great manager, so I would go Germany and Scotland. And I like I like what Adam? Scotland do with um, how they're able to at least when when he's healthy. I I feel bad because as an Arsenal fan, I I wish he was healthy because he was someone a signing that I was really excited about. Kieran Tierney. Um, it's just if he stayed healthy, he would have been. He's he really had that that fight. He was always, you know, giving a hundred percent effort, and it doesn't matter. And I like that Scotland, you know, they, they'll play Robertson as kind of like the left mid, and then they'll have Tierney behind. So that even though they got two really good players in that position, they make it work. And it makes sense because Robertson is, is a lot better on the ball. So I could see that happening. I mean, surprisingly, Hungary had a, had a decent qualifying. Um, Switzerland, you would assume, I would agree with you, but... Shakiri, he's one of those guys. He's he'll do nothing, but then he'll score some bicycle kick and That's then they'll win a game. It's true. It's like it's, this man always comes up with something. So it's tough to say. I think that's probably a good guess, Germany and Scotland. But it really, I think, aside from Germany, it could be any any of them. I'm with you guys. I have Germany, Scotland. How about you, Melissa? The only thing I was going to say in the beginning was Germany. So I'm glad I wasn't wrong on that because that was embarrassing. I have no idea about the other three. Uh, I will say Germany has not been strong. So I could realistically see a world where Germany at second place. I think they advance, but I wouldn't be totally shocked. I mean, they don't they have a striker. That's the group stage in the World Cup. So they don't have a striker. There's some big nations that are struggling in Europe right now. And looking at all those groups, you could see all of them struggling in some of those games there could be some surprises yeah that's the thing is it, it really is an interesting it's going to be an interesting year for uh for the euro because some of these teams are a lot better than we think and some of them aren't as good as we think germany are hosting though right so that gives them a big yes big I th- they are so they did switch it back i remember when i the last time i traveled internationally to england was before covid and I just remember doing the Wembley tour and they were they were talking about uh, they had like all the stuff there for the final. And I thought they were going to do the multi-host thing. So they stopped uh, doing yeah. that because of COVID. Stop doing that. Germany are hosting this time in 2028. It's it's the UK and Ireland together. So it's okay. between England, Scotland, Wales and I think Northern Ireland have a game. But we've That's, gone I back like it better the with the host. Me too. I prefer that. Yeah. It was always weird. So, like you haven't travel all across Europe. So now we have Group B, which is Spain, Croatia, Italy, and Albania. And uh, we'll, uh, go ahead, Pete. Who you got? Keep you going. First. I mean, <laughs> Spain, Spain definitely. Croatia could do Italy. Um, Luka Modric will probably be forty years old by then, but I'm assuming he's still there. But um, Italy is he still playing? He's still yeah. he's still playing. He was up until the end of the qualifying. Italy struggled in our group and just squeezed in at the end with a draw. I think it's Montenegro. But um, I'd say Spain and Croatia, the top two. Interesting. So I'm kind of, I'm going to go Spain, Italy here. I know Italy's kind of going through this generational change and trying to figure things out, but so is Croatia. I mean, that's an aging team that, and how much can you really expect to get out of those guys anymore? Spain is a team, but obviously they just had a Gavi. He's probably not going to be available for the Euro. He just tore his ACL. It's a team that suffered a lot of energy, uh, injuries, injuries, but they did just win the Nations League last year, last summer. 
but they're a team that's can't really score. They really struggle to score in a lot. Morata from uh, Atletico Madrid, he's their probably their best striker that they have. But I'm going to go with Spain and Italy. I think they're just going to have a little bit more quality. And I think Croatia is just getting so old. I think that generation they're in the they're in a weird. You know, every country has that weird bridge where it's like trying to figure out how to bring in the new guys and the old. And it usually never goes super smooth. So, uh, yeah, I got yeah. Spain and Italy. And then I'm, yeah, I'm going to say the same thing because I just, I just, the reason Croatia were so good is Modric. And I just think that his age is going to show. Um, I don't think Albania are pushovers either. Uh, this is, you know, they, they're going to have all three tough games. Italy, they're very, you know, Italy is Italy, so they're going to have a, a strong defense. Um, the question is, are they going to be able to score? Um, so I'm going to go Spain, Italy as well. Are right, these in any the random group? order? Like the fact that Germany and Spain are at the top, is that random or is that because they are seated? Uh, they're different yes. pots. So there's but different pots and then... Do you know know because playoff winner A is top of group D, so they can't... Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's... I, th- I don't think they seeded it. I think this is just random. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what you mean. Like in the, oh, I see what you mean. Okay. The order that they so, have them. Yeah, like the order. Okay, yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about like the, the group. Never mind. All right, so we have Group C, Slovenia, Denmark, Serbia, England. I think this is pretty easy, but go ahead, uh, P. I mean, England should England. should go through easily, but we yeah. don't always. Serbia have got Mitrovic and... I would back them ahead of Denmark, I think. Denmark are quite an average side. I think they played above themselves in the last tournament when Ericsson, the one where Ericsson went down. So I would go England-Serbia, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, England, I think this is an easy group for them. Uh, Slovenia, Denmark, Serbia, it's, it's really it is a toss-up, but you'd have to, just pure star power, you'd have to take Serbia um, if, if you're if that's what you're going for. So that's what I'll do. Yeah. England's the clear winner in my, but even if they do, they're going to win at the group. Uh, but yeah, it is a toss up between Serbia and Denmark. It's going to be interesting, but yeah, I'm probably going to go Serbia as well. Even though I really want to go Denmark, but I'm, I'm probably going to go Serbia. Oh, I would love right. Denmark to do well, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right, we have Group D, which is playoff winner A, the Netherlands, Austria, and France. And do you have who's going to be playoff winner A at all? Adam? I probably should have that up. Playoff A. It's between Poland or Wales. Oh, God, don't even then. You should have just said that. They're not going (laughs) to do anything then. I don't even care. That's... That is, that is kind of why I don't know them off the top of my head, though, to be honest with you, because I purposefully was like, yeah, no. Nah. So this is a Wales so, yeah, team. Path A is Garrett Poland, Wales, Finland, and Estonia. Path B is Israel, Bosnia, Ukraine, and Iceland. And path C is Georgia, Greece, Kazakhstan, and Luxembourg. So I don't think it's anybody we should worry about. So with A, right. it was Poland, Wales, was it Estonia and Finland, right? Yeah. I mean, it'll be between Wales and Poland, but 
do we care either way in terms of it's not going to make a difference. What did, what, yeah, what did I say I say Poland advances, but Netherlands, France is going to advance. I mean, yeah, they should. To, yeah, they the should. But two. Netherlands are a mess as well. Netherlands and never turn up the way. Yeah, they it's they're such a weird one. So, but yeah, but on paper, you but they always you make think, the tournaments. They always get out of the group stage. I feel like eh, at least in the World Cups. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't like ever since they got rid of Van Gaal, like what Van Gaal went on like an 18 win streak with them or something like that. And then they fired him after the World Cup and then they went on like a, a, a losing streak. I just thought that yeah. was kind of, I don't know. But Group E, we have Belgium, Slovakia, Romania, and then playoff winner B is, what was it again, Adam? You have it up? Probably um, irrelevant team, but well, yeah, the the, more, the other ones are more relevant. Well, that's Playoff quite a weak is, group. Oh, Israel, Iceland, Bosnia, and Bosnia. Ukraine, Iceland. Yep. So Ukraine are decent. Probably Ukraine. Yeah, um, probably Ukraine, Ukraine are decent. If you just get past all the current event stuff, they're they're a pretty solid team. Um, they're gonna have, I guess, the the one off the top of my head. I guess Mudrik, uh, Mudrik and Zinchenko. Are the two that I'm thinking of? Zinchenko, they they usually play as a midfielder because he's good enough. So they'll they'll be a tough team to play against. Um, I think they'd probably make it if I was going to pick the team. <sighs> Man, and to get out, that's another tough one. I don't know. I I'm going to go Romania. I'm going to go a weird one here. I think they've been they've shockingly been good in the qualifying. So I'm going to give it to them. They've they've had some good years in in past, uh, you know, old World Cups before we were alive. But they've they've had their time. They can produce players. And Belgium, I'm assuming. Yes. Did I not say that? <laughs> you do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Pete. I, I would probably say Romania too, but purely for nostalgic reasons from the nineties. Um, Belgium. Belgium have got a very aging squad as well. They're another team in transition at the moment. Yeah. So I would say Ukraine and Romania if Ukraine get there. Yeah, I actually right. have Belgium, oh. Ukraine. I have Belgium, All Ukraine. Right. I think even though Belgium's aging, there's still quality on that team that's just so hard to like bet against them. It is a, a team that never lived up to expectations, though. I mean, when you think about like Hazard, Lukaku, like everybody that was on that team and they just fell short, not even fell short, but just didn't even really do well at all. It's just very disappointing. They never then, had the massacre. Yeah. And we go to Group F, which is Turkey, Portugal, Czech Republic, and then playoff winner C, which is... Which probably will be Greece. Greece Georgia, Kaz- uh, Kazakhstan, or Luxembourg. So, yeah. I didn't Greece. even know. Yeah, Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Since when is Kazakhstan in UEFA? <laughs> Kazakhstan have been in UEFA for a while because they've wow. been there, yeah. Too much political I, reasons for, for them. They came in with Russia, basically. I mean, Russia are there normally. Obviously, they're not right now. They're suspended, but I feel, Kazakhstan. Yeah, but they usually come like on with a group. That. They've had a good year. It's their first time if they qualify. Yeah. Yeah, so let's say Greece. Yeah, Greece is most likely. Yeah, Greece are Even though Greece has to be good as what they used to be, but. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, Luxembourg is a city. And <laughs> we've been there, we can confirm that there's not much else there. <laughs> yeah. It's like San Marino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm surprised they're even in the playoff, to be honest. Usually they're so, one of those teams like San Marino and um Gibraltar that end up being last like every time. So good for them. So who you got, Pete? 
Well, Portugal Greece will be a rematch of the 04 finals. That'll be interesting. If that would be there. nice. I, I would say, I mean, Portugal definitely. I don't know a lot about Turkey, to be quite honest. So I would say Greece. I don't, I don't think Greece are that good, though. It's, it's a tough call, that one. I'll say Portugal Turkey. You know, you know the thing with Turkey's Turkey's always had a lot of players, but they never really do anything in tournaments. Either. Yes. Like, I, would, strong, I would say that's they accurate. A, they, they end, end up coming into tournaments. They have, yeah, because they have good players. Um, they Yeah, they just never really perform. They had, I believe, oh, God, was it Euro 2008 or 2004? They had a really good run. They like went to the quarterfinals, um, and that was like one of their only years. Like one of my friends, he told me he was like that was like the year that like every it was craziness. Like they were like shocked at how good they are. So they they underperform, but at this point, like if you were to ask somebody from Turkey, they would be like, "We're gonna come in last." They think they're bad, so they they don't they don't rate themselves as well. I'm gonna go Portugal, Greece as well. And Adam, you have Portugal and I have Portugal and Czech because I was scarred okay. from Czech. Um, you know, they were in the same group as Poland and they destroyed us both times. So guess they're good. Or we we suck. It's one or the other. It's both, probably. <laughs> All right then. Well, I say we call it a wrap on the show there. Um about an hour and 20 minutes in. I want to thank you guys for coming on, Melissa and Pete. It was awesome to get your guys' perspective on the crew season and everything. It was really um, cool. I mean, so you guys pretty much went to every game, like what you said, 14 out of 17. So We missed three home games. One was because we were in England, and the other one was we had a road trip to New York, so it couldn't be avoided. But, yeah, we were there for the whole ride, and we, we've said on our own pod a few times we felt a bit like a fraud because we've just come in for one season swept up the lot and walk off into the sunset kind of thing. Oh, but it's been, it's been an incredible season. With Messi coming along, we because we had the podcast before and we just decided to start it this year. And, you know, we've been working for the club. I've worked for the club for three years. Um, Julian, a little bit a little bit less, but still a few years. So we, like, made it a point, like, when Messi signed to be like, hey, guys, listen, if you're coming here just because of Messi, we've we've been here all right like we don't want anyone to think like we're just like plastic like we've been here i've been here when we were really bad nobody coming to the games so i can understand feeling that way but i i think you know going to all the games though i mean you you're committing to it so you can't we'll be there um, next year as well when we moved here, be there Pete, next year he yeah. wanted to get season tickets i was like okay that sounds good like i'm <laughs> i like watching soccer but i was like oh my gosh every weekend's gonna be soccer now and I wouldn't have changed it. It's been awesome. It's been incredible. Right? Yeah, it's been good to learn our city too that way. Oh, that's cool. And you guys are getting the tickets for the Champions Cup, I'm assuming, as well, right? We are moving because we're expecting our first child. So we're moving back to Indiana. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we have to commute to games. So we'll be doing weekend games, but Champions Cup, mm. it's going to be a lot of midweek. Oh, those so we'll try and go yeah. over to one it's if we tough. can. So otherwise, it's going to be MLS. And no, no US Open Cup apparently. So MLS games only for us. Yeah. In the next season or two, I guess. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah, uh, hope everything goes smooth. And uh, where can people find you? Uh, new to the crew ninety six at Gmail, or we've got the same handle on Instagram. We have never advertised our podcast. It's one thing we wanted to do when we set up <laughs> here was like we put one um, comment up on Reddit to say we're starting a podcast. We are new to Columbus Crew. 
and we for our first season right we were like let's just see we haven't told any of our friends and family kind of for us yeah we've done it for ourselves and it's grown naturally so this is the first time we've actually advertised it outside our own pod so mm-hmm. that's where you can find us and we'll be podding next year and getting to as many of the home games as we can mm-hmm. so so yeah and just spotify right and the social media you don't do youtube or nothing nope just spotify and apple podcasts is the two places we put them up all right great and adam any final thoughts to let people out all i'm gonna end this with is i'm glad united got bounced from the champions league bye bye (laughs) all right have a good one guys thanks for having us. thanks so much guys we appreciate it yeah thanks for coming on nice meeting you guys you too